Lord, we thank you that you are a speaking God who loves to speak to us and have relationship with us. And we pray that this morning, through you, the power of your Holy Spirit, that you, you'll reveal yourself to us in these words. Help us to um, speak only the truth of your word and also for us to hear only the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. According to a website, um, these are the words that come to people's minds when they say Christmas, holiday, Mary, white, Eve, and present. Holiday, Mary, white, Eve, and present. Well, for many people, that is Christmas, isn't it? Holiday is Christmas. It's time when we take our uh, time together as a family, um, come together as a family. It's, a, it's got this sof, sort of soft and warm and fuzzy glow around the word Christmas. We're not likely to get white Christmas here, but it, all the other things, are, I think, are there. Um, holiday, Mary, Eve, present. It's time when we get presents as well. I think uh, I've heard that this is a, 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 Christmas is a time when retailers make about 40% of their annual profits. So in these last couple of weeks, 40% of annual profits is made. But as Christians, we know that Christmas shouldn't be just about shopping or even peace or being merry. And we've, I know you've heard many people say, let's bring Christ back to Christmas. Make Christ the center. But I think even when Christians talk about Jesus Christ around Christmas, it's mostly about the manger. It's mostly about the baby. It's mostly about this warm and fuzzy feeling that we get as we stare at the baby Jesus. And doesn't it feel good to stare at a baby? There's a sense of calm and peace that come to us as we stare at a baby, the newborn child. So Christmas, when it is about Jesus has become all about the baby Jesus, the child in the manger. But Christ is so much more than a baby. And Christmas is so much more than that. Christmas miracle is not there, um, not there at the present or the warmth or the peace, but Christmas miracle is the Christ, Christ who is the creator, the sustainer and redeemer, and the fact that God himself has become this baby. So do take a look at the manger. There's the manger there, and there's a manger over there. But let's look beyond the manger. Let's ask uh, this Christmas Day, who is Jesus? What happened in that manger? So he is, as we read in, uh, in Colossians 1, uh, 1.15, he is the image he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of overall creation. Well, some people believe that God is in the nature, or nature itself is God. Some people believe that God is in all things, that we need only to look into ourselves to find God. Some people believe that God is a projection of who we are, our best selves. Some people believe that God is unknowable because God transcends being in a normal sense. And I think, to me, I have the most sympathy with the people in the last category, people who believe that God transcends our understanding, people uh, who believe that God is unknowable because God is a different kind of being. Because I think um, 
people trying to figure out who God is is a bit like ants trying to figure out who, who people are. People transcend ants' knowledge. God is that big. In a similar way, people, human beings, cannot know God fully. You might say that we can look at the nature and get to know a little bit of God because God has left his fingerprints all over the creation, and that is certainly true. When we look at the nature, we get a little sense of the grandeur of God. People say that we can look into ourselves, and that is true because we are made in the image of God, and when we look at ourselves, we get to, hear, uh, we get to see a little bit of who God is. But if we want to know God most definitively, if you want to know who God is, what he's like, the Bible tells us to look at the historical person that was born 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago in the days of Caesar Augustus, Jesus of Nazareth. It's a historical person. There we find the image of the invisible God. The word for image there, according to the lexicon, is this mirror image, this reflection, the perfect mirror image of God is found in Jesus Christ, that baby. He is God made human, God becoming human. He's not concealed in his becoming human. He's revealed most fully to humanity. We can see God in human form, the exact representation of God. And we say this, and this is a privilege beyond imagination. For Jesus really is the creator of the whole world. All things were created by him. Paul writes, things in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones of power or rulers of the, or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 16. God has created all the things that we can see. Animals, plants, mountains, valleys, coastal lines, all the things we can't see as well. I'm told, told that modern physics tells us 83% of the universe is made up of things that we can't see, this dark matter. 83%. We know that it exists mathematically, but we can't see it. We can't really feel it either. But Jesus created that as well, things that we can't see. Jesus created all the th- electromagnetic force that, that sort of holds um, the, the atoms together, gravity and energy and photon and everything that around us. God has created. Jesus has created all of that at a simple command. And this is a unique, unrepeatable condescension of God. The creator becomes a human being. I'm sorry, I'm going to go on about this. Um, I did some research to put this in perspective. You You know the speed of light. The speed of light is, let's see, 299 a million seven hundred ninety-two thousand four hundred fifty-eight meters per second. That's per second. Two hundred ninety-nine million per second meters per second. Since the equator of Earth is only about twelve thousand seven hundred fifty kilometers, in one second, light can travel around the globe twenty-three point five times. Twenty-three point five times. That's how fast. The light travels. 
In a minute, it can go 17 trillion, 987 million, 550,000 kilometers. That's in a minute. Seven, 17 trillion. I, I have no even concept of that. Trillion is a, a trillion kilometers is a concept beyond my imagination. There's nothing on earth that we have observed that, we, that can put that in perspective. My iPhone couldn't calculate how much it would be in a day, how much it would travel in a day, much less a, a month or a year. The number's too large. That's how fast the, the light is. Now imagine our galaxy, where our solar system is. Galaxy is they say about 100,000 to 120,000 light years wide. That's just how much, how, 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 how wide this galaxy is. 100 to 120,000 um, ga- light years wide. And um, uh, uh, the, the most current estimate is that the universe then is made up of 100 to 200 galaxies. 102, oh, sorry, 100 to 200 billion galaxies. Now, there's all kinds of space in between those galaxies as well. And once again, a billion is not a concept that I'm very familiar with. There's this, no wonder the NASA page just says, we simply don't really know how large the universe is. It just says, it doesn't, we, we don't know. It's beyond our um, observatory power. It's beyond our imagination. Now, it's that God that created the universe. Everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, creator of all things that have become this baby in this manger. Christmas, this Christmas, do look at this baby in the manger and feel warm and fuzzy. I mean, that's a good thing. But do more than that. Do look beyond this baby. Do try to understand this incomprehensible mystery of the baby. It is God, creator of all things. Unimaginably big and immense universe lies there in the, in the manger. And that is the staggering message of Christmas. This is what we proclaim to the world. The God who created everything has become this baby. In the Bible, everyone who has a glimpse of God becomes afraid. And I used to think that it's God's holiness that makes people afraid. And that is true. Isaiah, when he sees God, he thinks he's going to die because God is this holy God. And he knows that he is a sinner. But I think it's more than that. In Gospel of Mark, the disciples become terrified and they ask God, they ask each other, who is this man? Uh, when the wind and the waves obey him, when he calmed the storm, there is a sense of awe before Jesus. They were full of awe. That's why they were terrified. They realized that they were in the presence of the other, someone who they couldn't put into their own system. Somebody beyond themselves, somebody beyond their categorization, beyond their language, beyond their understanding. 
that they were in the presence of Jesus, the creator of the whole universe, where the nature obeys him. That's why they were afraid. This Jesus, who seemed to be familiar to them, they suddenly realized that he was much more than that. They saw a bit of Jesus and they were terrified. And this Christmas, look to the manger, but look to Jesus, who was beyond our imagination, the creator of everything that is seen and unseen. So firstly, Christ the creator, but also our passage tells us that Jesus is the sustainer of everything. This passage is full of details, so you could miss important details if you just read one time on. But um, first, we're told that the whole universe was made for Jesus in verse 16. At the end of verse 16, all things were created by him and also for him. This creation was created by God for Jesus Christ. It's almost as if the whole creation was a gift of the Father to the Son. All of the creation given to the Son It's for Jesus Christ. But as you know, creation has rebelled against its maker. It's sinned. It has happened in Adam, but it also, since then, it's created this environment, created this nature outside and also inside of us in which sin, escape from sin, is not possible. The most of the world lies in rebellion against its maker. And some people acknowledge the Creator's existence, but many other people ignore him, even after God has sent his own Son. Some people know him and have this innate sense of God, but choose to ignore him. Because following Christ, for many of us, would be an inconvenience. It would bring inconvenience to our lives. Most of the creation, which was made for, all of creation, which is made for Christ, is, lives in rebellion of him. And that's why I think this detail is astonishing. That Jesus is not part of the creation in verse 17, but the creation is held together in him, verse 17. The world in the rebellion is held together in Christ. We have seen our share of natural disaster movies lately. The Inconvenient Truth it predicts that, um, that all of Manhattan will be flooded in the next 20 years. And the movie Day After Tomorrow says that the world will meet another ice age in a very, very near future. Um, Armageddon with the song, the great song, I Don't Want to Close My Eyes, that song, um, predicts the world ending with a comet collision. And last year's blockbuster movie, 2012, well, predicts that the world will end 2012. We're told that the world is fragile. The climate is getting worse and worse. And it's really our collective goodwill. It's only our collective goodwill that will hold the universe, the, the, the earth together, or else it'll all fall apart. What well, Paul says here that it's actually Jesus that holds this earth, this history this universe, together. It's Jesus who holds the universe together. In Christ, if the earth could just fear off course, the world as we know it could fall apart, 
the electromagnetic force that holds this, these atoms together, gravity, strong and weak force, could all just go at once if Jesus just decided that the world will end. If he said, I'm going to end this world right now, the history as we know would end right now if Christ did not hold things together. And once again, what I find astonishing is that Jesus doesn't let go of this creation that has rebelled against him. When we choose to ignore him, when we sin again and again against him, when Christians choose to ignore him again and again in our lives, we have also made shambles of this creation. But why does Jesus hold the universe together? And I don't have to turn to it, but Peter reminds us in his letter, Second Peter 3, 9 to 10, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. What Peter says is, the second coming is not coming yet, because God is patient. He's not slow. He's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. One reason is his patience. Jesus wants everyone to come to repentance, come to know him. So when we look at the manger this Christmas, look once again beyond the manger. See more than the baby Jesus. See in him the sustainer of all things. Even as he sleeps, the whole universe is being held together in him. And he delays his second coming so the people might come to know him. And finally, look beyond Jesus and you'll see the Redeemer, Redeemer of all things. One of the uh, striking things about this passage is how much the word all is repeated. It, the word all is repeated almost every sentence here. It's repeated at least seven times. Firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created. All things were created. It, before him is all things. In him are, are all things are held together so that in everything he might have supremacy. And there was a, a heresy going on at the time that Book of Colossians was written that said that the world is separated into spiritual things and the earthly things, holy things and secular things. And Paul wants us to know in this letter that such separation is not warranted. Jesus is Savior of all things. There's no secular, sacred divide or, 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 or spiritual or mundane as one of the famous um, theologians, um, you might have heard me saying this, Abraham Kuyper, a theologian and also once a prime minister of Netherlands, has said, no single piece of our world is sealed off from the rest. There's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign, sovereign over all, does not cry out, mine. Every single part of the human creation, I mean, of, of, of God's creation, Jesus has a claim. Jesus says, that is mine. Jesus is the savior of the whole world, spiritual and mundane, secular and sacred. 
heavenly and earthly. In fact, all dimensions of human life, our family life, our work life, our life alone, our life in the community, what we do with our, uh, with our friends, what we do in our bedroom, what we think, uh, all of that, God has a claim. Jesus has a claim. Jesus says, that is mine. He has created everything. And Paul here reminds us now then, Christ has redeemed also everything. It is only Christ, because he is also God, because he is big enough to redeem everything. Um, look to verse 19 there. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile, uh, reconcile to, to him all things, whether things on earth and things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God became a human being so that we might have peace. We might have reconciliation. Of all things, things on earth and things in heaven. We've announced about a month ago that Kenshin was born, uh, Michael's, Michael's son. And um, we agree that no one should think of how Kenshin might die. Right? It would be the absurdly, most absurdly morbid thing to start imagining how Kenshin might die. To think about a child's death at the moment of his birth. And even when someone dies, even at a funeral, we don't focus on somebody's death. We want to remember the person's life, how he or she lived, what kind of friend she had been, what kind of mother she had been, what kind of books he liked, what kind of life he lived, what kind of life that, what, what, what that life meant for us. But as we celebrate Jesus' death, Jesus' birth, we also remember his death. For he was born to die. Christianity centers around his death. About a third of each of the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus, centers around, recalls his death. In baptism, we participate in his death by going down and rising again with him. In communion, every other week at Shatin Church, that we recall his death, we remember his death. We wear crosses around our necks, the symbol of his death, because Jesus was born to die. So it is right as we approach Christmas, we also recall his death. As we've just read, through him, he has reconciled all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The Bible is a love story of God seeking after humanity. And Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Um, to die for us. And one of the last words that he has spoken on the cross is, it is finished. You might ask, what is finished? What was finished was the mission for which Christ was born, the mission of salvation of a humankind. He has reconciled all things by taking the wrath that we deserve upon his shoulders and shedding his blood on the cross the blood that we should have, shed, have, have shed for our rebellion against God, that 
was finished. Reconciliation is God's work for us. It's a work that has been accomplished. We don't need to wait until the end of time to, um, for, for the reconciliation, for peace has been made by death of Jesus Christ. In words of Dick Lucas, one of the great preachers from London, reconciliation with God waits not upon a human achievement, but of human acceptance. So, what do you see in the manger? Do you see, do you only see the baby that's lying in the manger? Well, I hope you see the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer of all things. I hope you see in the baby this unique and unrepeatable condescension, humiliation of God himself, which is really an extension of this offer to us, this offer of peace and reconciliation to God. And I hope you will accept this offer of relationship And I hope you will worship Christ, born 2,000 years ago in this Christmas. Amen.